Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Glenn Wexler, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello again, Martin Popoff, back with another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Happy as always to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Um, our podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platform. So I don't know why I have hair metal on the brain these days, um, but I wanted to do another hair metal episode. We had some good back and forth on the Facebook page that I have for History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. On this topic, uh, we are going to call this one Hair Metal Goes Grunge. Now, um, that's an episode I've been wanting to do for quite a while. Um, I did I did actually a book uh, called The Big Book of Hair Metal. Uh, beautiful hardcover book. They did a really nice job laying this thing out at Voyager. Um, but one thing that was kind of interesting is we came up with the endpoint of hair metal being um, the release of Nirvana's Nevermind album in September of 1991. Now, grunge had been going already for quite a while, um, but by this point... What happened, or at this point, what happened is that uh, the death knell was really being um, uh, rung for hair metal. Uh, people were losing their deals left and right. Sales were going down. Uh, people stopped talking about it, or if they did talk about it, it was being ridiculed. Um, but, you know, an interesting thing. I want to do another episode. I have one other hair metal episode, at least in me, and it's uh, it's going to be so called something like Hair Metal Hangover or, uh, or Hair Metal Tries Really Hard. Because what happens uh, in 91, uh, 92, 93 
is that you actually get some of the very best uh, uh, hair metal albums from from these bands that came from the 80s. But we're not going to talk about that right now. So that was the trying harder era. What we are going to talk about is the era that essentially comes after that, when hair metal bands uh, try grunge, they try hard alternative, they just try to have a career. Various reasons, we'll talk about some of those motivations, but um, essentially uh, a lot of these hair metal bands um, took a real big leap into uh, grunge, but you know, by the time they're doing it, um, you know, we're, we're going to look at the years of these albums coming up by the time they're doing it. It's almost like grunge is over with it's a post grunge era. So what are we into at this point? We're into a grunge light era, but really what we're calling this music at this point is hard alternative. Um, so we're up into, you know, smashing pumpkins and we're up into industrial and, just this melange of grunge crossing over with alternative. I don't even know why it's called hard hard alternative. I mean, grunge itself was was a form of hard alternative. But anyways, so yeah, let's uh, let's get into this and uh, and see uh, the comical things that happen when hair metal bands try to go grunge. Um, okay, let's uh, let's start off with some music. Here's our first one on history and five songs with Martin Popoff. This is Skid Row with Beat Yourself Blind. All right, so what do we have here? We have Sebastian Bach is, um, he really hates being called a hair metal band. I don't know what he thinks about being called a grunge band, but the the interesting thing about Skid Row is that they were truly, truly, truly a hair metal band, uh, in uh, for for their debut album, the self titled debut. Now they're they're coming out of New Jersey. They're they're like jeans and uh, piercings and stuff. They're they they really are trying hard to look tough hair metal or what I have coined as dirty hair metal. Um, but that album, uh, that that first one is pretty hair metal, and then the second one is is kind of like a little bit of a, you know, the same way Judas Priest, Rob Halford solo with fight and Skid Row, they were all kind of a little bit uh, enamored with what Pantera was doing, so the second Skid Row album, Slave to the Grind, is pretty heavy. Um, now, we get up into Subhuman Race, and they've had all the same kind of drama as Guns N' Roses. You could tell they're starting to fight a bit. It's been a long time between albums. We've got two factions going here. We've got the Baz faction against the rest of the band faction. You know, Baz is the only one who's not from New Jersey, I think. Um, well, I know he's not, but I, I'm not sure about the other guys exactly where they're all from. But essentially, they were a band. Baz came into that band. Baz is actually from where I'm from, Ontario, Peterborough, Ontario, a couple hours from where I am here in Toronto. Um, so anyways, uh, they're a band that has a lot of drama, a lot of Guns N' Roses type drama. So we get up into March of 1995. They put out this album called Subhuman Race. Um, you know, it's it's got kind of a political looking front cover on it. And essentially what you have on this album is a big fat sound. You've got a grunge producer in here. You've got uh, what I call coming out of Soundgarden, I, I've 
always coined this as Geronimo riffs. Soundgarden, yeah, occasionally Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath would do these Geronimo riffs that sound a little bit like, uh, I don't know, heroic cowboys and Indians type music. Hard to explain, but but Soundgarden when they're when they're in metal mode, they they do a lot of this, and you can hear this on the Skid Row album. So it's slower, it's fatter, it's more angsty. Uh, the lyrics are um, are a little bit more introspective, and um, you know I want to make a point about these records uh, that we're going to talk about here, and this idea in general. You know, people put down this idea of hair metal goes grunge, but. As a super metal fan, um, a lot of metal fans were into what was before hair metal. They were into hair metal. They were into grunge. They were into what came after as long as it was heavy. And I'm kind of like that. So I had an open mind about grunge. I loved grunge when it came out. And I actually really didn't mind these bands trying these different sounds. I mean, you could say it's a pretty cynical thing to do, whatever. Um, As we go through these, there's some positives and negatives. But I I actually remember, um, you know, we had our our magazine, myself and Tim Henderson uh, and and our crew, we started this magazine in 1994 called Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles. So we're right in the thick of this with, with Skid Row and Subhuman Race. There's a big debate going on about these bands. But you know, just like just like a lot of that early grunge, especially say the first Nirvana album, um, Green River, uh, Soundgarden. You know, look at Jesus Christ post songs like that. It was really heavy compared to hair metal, and that's what we really liked about it. Alice in Chains, of course, uh, versus versus hair metal. Hair metal now sounded very light in in comparison, and so so Skid Row is making this album, Subhuman Race, and it's really heavy. So we're not hating this with what they're trying here we like a little bit that they're moving with the times a lot of people revolted about all this but you know who doesn't want who doesn't want their rock stars to be introspective and think more and have better lyrics and stuff so skid row subhuman race was not a hated album i mean it 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 did get a lot of stick from from a number of critics for being for trying to jump on this grunge bandwagon um, but then, uh, but, but then a lot of them said, well, good for them. You know, they are moving with the time. So I'm fine with it. So there you go. Skid Row subhuman race. Uh, let's get into a slightly different dynamic here. Uh, our track number two on history and five songs with Martin Popoff. This is warrant, uh, with a little something called followed from their ultraphobic album. Right, so there you go. Even more Geronimo Riffy out of Warrant. Now, obviously, this is a story. This is actually one of the most, I would say, um, notorious of the hair metal goes grunge because this is the ultimate hair metal band. You think back to Cherry Pie, especially like Janie Lane. I mean, one of the things about him, he was a really nice guy, uh, and he 
eventually in life there were there was this narrative this storyline that he says i'm going to shoot myself in the head if i have to sing cherry pie again right he seemed like a guy that did truly want to uh to move with the times and get away from that ridiculous album cover and song and sound and the big gang vocals and the big you know bright blindingly bright production values so they like Skid Row actually uh, made a pretty heavy album in 92. Theirs was called Dog Eat Dog. Skid Row was uh, Slave to the Grind. But you get up into these later years and Warrant went full on, just just like, what is it, 10 feet first uh, into grunge with this ultraphobic album. And then they followed it up with another one, similar one called Belly to Belly Volume 1. Now, one thing you're going to notice about these bands, it's kind of funny throughout this, um, if you are a hair metal guy, you're essentially a metal guy from the 80s. Um, and some of some of these guys are even a little bit longer in the tooth, and they have as much Beatle worship as a 70s band might, uh, or a bunch of 70s guys. So, so Beatles... Beatles is a funny thing when it comes to grunge. Beatles is everywhere. They're the most influential band of all time. But the psychedelic form uh, or the psychedelic dynamic from the Beatles and and certain types of their, you know, dissonant atonal floaty melodies um, seeped into grunge. It seeped into, uh, you could hear it a little bit in Soundgarden. You don't really hear the Beatles in Nirvana. You hear, you don't really hear them a lot in Pearl Jam. It's actually Soundgarden when they're kind of mellow. You think of Black Hole Sun and, and those sorts of songs. Uh, and actually not in a lot of places in, in a lot of grunge. But you do hear the Beatles as filtered through grunge when these hair metal bands do it. So you, so you get the Beatlesque, you get the psychedelic, you also get a little bit. Well, I'm going to save that one for for a little bit. So, um, so yeah, just just to just to close up on on warrant here. So yeah, it's funny. So uh, I've I've got these discs in front of me here. So uh, so ultraphobic. First of all, it's called ultraphobic, which is you know a a big long one word you know angsty sort of title, um, which is very grungy. But then you've got songs like undertow, yeah, tool undertow, uh, followed, high. Um, Crawl space, chameleon. So one of the big things that you got happening in in grunge quite often was these uh, was these one word song titles. Uh, when they followed up with belly to belly, uh, that's really nice. You can't see the song titles. Okay, nobody else in the end feels good. Letter to a friend, A Y M. Yeah, there you go. The the initials, Indian giver, falling down. So um, again. Warrant is is not writing about boy girl party on the sunset strip stuff anymore. They're being kind of uh, you know introspective with what you're doing. Now you know again, um, and this is slightly different reason um, because I loved grunge so much, and a lot of us did. We did not hate on Warrant for uh, for doing this ultraphobic belly to belly type thing. Again, you know one of the things that's kind of interesting here is when the Beatles cycles itself through heavy metal, it does cycle itself a little bit through grunge, but it also cycles itself a little bit through King's X. Now King's X is almost like a off to the side, so cool, so creative, uh, you know, parallel to grunge sort of thing. They even have their slightly grunge phase with uh, with the magnificent Dogman album. Um, you know, a Brendan O'Brien, I believe, production, uh, big, huge, fat sounds where you slow down and stuff. But when when King's X uh, cycles the Beatles through their sound, it's this big, fat, but also psychedelic sound. Um, and again, uh, I guess the reason I bring them up is I think 
you get more King's X in these two Warrant albums, Ultraphobic and Belly to Belly, uh, than you get Grunge. So, so in effect, it's a mix of Grunge and a King's X influence, which is kind of cool. So again, we did not hate on Warrant for doing this. Now, the other reason I didn't hate on Warrant for doing this is because I had zero investment in Warrant before. They were kind of a hated band for me. So I, I, previously never really even got very much out of warrant but now they're doing this and i'm yeah i'm, I'm kind of happy about it you know the other funny thing that's happening is you move up into 1996 1997 there wasn't very much heavy grunge left for if you were an angry metalhead like me so so the the good heavy grunge stuff came from about 88 to 1991 92 um so it was kind of all over with. So when you had these heavy metal bands going back and bringing back heavy grunge, it wasn't such a bad thing if you were a metalhead. Um, so there you go. That's number two. Let's take a short break and we will be right back. When we dropped the first few episodes of Rock and Roll Archaeology into the feed three and a half years ago, little did we know that this telling of rock and roll history would become a pantheon of rock and roll podcasts. Since many of you first joined us on our rock and roll exploration, the halls of the rock and roll pantheon have filled with shows like Deeper Digs in Rock, Rock and Roll Librarian, Muses, Art of Rock with Caution Friends, Real Rock with the Reverend Andy King, Miss Pamela's Pajama Party, Vinyl Snob, and more. We are proud of this one-of-a-kind approach to an audio magazine of high-quality shows. That is Pantheon, and thank you for your support. We couldn't have done it without you, our diggers who listen to all of our shows. And now, we are excited to let you know that every show available as part of Pantheon can be found in their own podcast feed to subscribe to in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the shows you've come to love. We look forward to adding more shows to fill the halls here in our Pantheon of Rock and Roll and find them all at PantheonPodcast.com. Keep up the rockin'. Okay, back again with History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Moving on to song number three. Let's play it and discuss. This is Def Leppard with Work It Out. All right, so our episode is called Hair Metal Goes Grunge. Def Leppard are the most egregious of hair metal bands. I mean, they started out as a New Age heavy metal band. They made a cool album in, in High and Dry, a landmark album in Pyromania, which is kind of starting the whole hair metal thing off. Um, but then they get really, really hair metal with Hysteria and Adrenalize and all that. So here they come with an album called Slang. And uh, this is May of 1996. So signaling that they're going to try to do something different, they get rid of that horrible Def Leppard logo and they come up with this cool kind of, um, you know, uh, mystical uh, looking logo, very artsy. Uh, and again, 
you know, it's it's signaling this thing within um, within a hair metal band going grunge, where you are going to be very introspective and angsty and talk about your feelings and all that. So this album is a little bit more like that. Joe brings down the singing a little. The gang vocals are down a little bit. Um, but again, because I was kind of hating on Def Leppard for quite a few years, um, I was perfectly fine with something like slang again who doesn't want their hair metal people to stop writing brian adams songs you know like like uh, let's get rocked and pour some sugar on me i don't want to hear that and i never wanted to hear that uh so so basically here they are kind of trying to be smart it's it's a form of uh, hair metal band trying really hard but again this is a hair metal band trying really hard and also trying to be current so but Def Leppard when they do it they kind of mix in so there is definitely that psychedelic Beatles thing because these guys are musicologists they'll go right back to the roots so they're going to bring up that part of it um, but they also bring in a little bit of uh, U2 you know U2 when they go into their cacophonous phase um, you know, you wouldn't call it grunge, but you'd call it dirty and noisy. So there's a little bit of that coming into the Def Leppard slang album as well. You know, they try this, they get lambasted for it, and they eventually go back to their old sound. I think it's Euphoria's next. And then they try a bunch of other things and they get poppy and mellow. So, uh, which is even worse than, uh, than, than what we're, we're getting early on here. So this was the cynical, uh, hair metal goes grunge album from Def Leppard. And we, again, frankly, kind of liked it. It was, it was better. Um, you know, you hear in this song, Work It Out, you hear some really cool melodies. They're, they're a little bit dark melodies, but they're different. They're not just party rock. And Def Leppard had way too much party rock uh, recently. So kind of good for them for, for trying something new again. Okay, moving on. Another very notorious one. Uh, this is Dawkin with I Feel. Take a listen. So Dawkin again, um, hair metal goes grunge. This is the notorious Shadow Life album. And how do you spell Shadow Life? Well, you smush the words together to make to make one word out of it. Uh, the album cover is this dog's breakfast, as they say in the UK, of just like dark, moody, you know, uh, kind of foggy, blue, gray images. There's a heart. There's a bunch of old, you know, who knows why this stuff is here. There's a, there's a full moon. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, you look on the back, I'm looking at them. They all got their grunge haircuts. They're all dressed in black. You know, even George Lynch has short hair on here. Um, so, but this is a very, very, it's, it's produced, engineered, and mixed by Kelly Gray, who comes from that Candlebox Seattle grunge thing. Eventually he's in Queensryche and he kind of turns them grunge a little bit too. They're another band I could have semi-included uh, in this situation. But yeah, you hear from, from this a very sort of grungy sound. And again, um, you get uh, other things that that, um, that that grunge is all about that you're getting in some of these songs. You'll hear it even more in the next one. Is this post-punk 
um, focus on bass guitar so and tribal drums. So post-punk, after punk, you got you got kind of poppy punk, but then you got post-punk with the likes of Killing Joke and Teardrop Explodes and Echo and the Bunnymen and all these bands, even Joy Division, PIL. Um, you get this focus magazine as well. You get this focus on there's a lot of there's a lot of naked uh bass guitar riffing and tribal drums and and guitar is used kind of as a as a colorizing texturizing noise making thing you know uh bombarding the song from the edges um so uh you get a lot of that in grunge as well and um you get it in these hair metal bands trying to be grungy. So the hair metal bands, of course, naturally they're going to do the hair metal as well. So you get the Geronimo riffs and you get the Black Sabbath influence, but you also get the Beatles stuff and you also get this post-punk. So you get a lot of this swirling kind of psychedelic, oh, we're so disoriented, uh, we're so angsty, the weight of the world is upon us suddenly when when it wasn't upon us in the 80s, it's upon us now. Um, and so here's Dawkins with I feel. Um, so yeah, they were one of the most egregious of the hair metal bands, of course. You think of Tooth and Nail and Back um, back to, back to for the Attack. Uh, and then later, you know, there's Dysfunctional. Um, you know, they have an album called Dysfunctional, uh, which is kind of a grungy title, but later they're back with Erase the Slate and things are kind of more or less back to normal. Um, but yeah, this is this is Dawkins really, really, really trying to still have a career and do something current. And uh, But this is one where they basically universally was lambasted for. I mean, they were absolutely um, taken a task for putting this album out. And again, I must admit, all of us at the time, we were not hating on this. We wanted our hair metal bands to be smart. We wanted them to try be current. We were not hating on this. Um, so again, it's almost all of this we, we were not uh, particularly hating on as, as fans around the, our magazine, Brave Words and Bloody Knuckles. Okay, so moving on, we're up to the last one. This is number five. This is a little bit of a different situation. So um, let's take a listen. This is Kiss with Jungle. Going down, my jungle comes alive. The beast is waking up to take another life. All right, so there you go. This is Kiss being obviously very tribal. The song's called Jungle, but but listen to that bass line. That's not a typical Gene Simmons bass line. Listen to those, you know, uh, tribal drums. Uh, Paul Stanley is being introspective. He's singing kind of those, uh, you know, those angular melodies over top of something. You know, you could say again, there's a Beatlesque quality. It breaks into heavy stuff. So what's happening here is... Um, you know, Kiss had a fantastic album, their Try Harder hair metal album, let's call it, In Revenge. Great album. Just basically just a really good, tough, strong, good sounding, good songs hair metal album. I love Kiss Revenge. It went gold. Um, you know, uh, so Bruce Kulick's still in the band. This is uh, this is Eric Singer. But um, so this is an album recorded from 
uh, November of 95 through February of 96, and it's essentially shelved. Um, they decide, you know, this is a little bit too weird for us. We can't put this out. This is too against brand. Um, but it, but eventually they decide, eh, let's put it out. So they put it out in October of 97, so almost two years after they record it. The album cover is just like made to look almost like a bootleg. They're just kind of like dressed down. They're not, you know, they're just, just looking like regular dudes. But the whole album is this dark, heavy, Sabbathy, grungy um, metal that you absolutely do not expect out of Kiss. And I loved it. I mean, I love Carnival Souls. I think it's a great Kiss album. Uh, there's all sorts of good music across this. There's a lot of dynamics. Grunge has a lot of dynamics from quiet to loud. Um, I thought it was just a great album. Um, but again, they were more or less lambasted for it. It was considered a bit of an oddball because of this strange release schedule uh, that, that came about it. Um, you know, next they try, they go back full full on makeup and put out Psycho Circus, which I have no idea why, but it is a horrible, horrible album. I can't believe it could be that bad. All the later albums are great. I mean, I love Monster and Sonic Boom. Um, but uh, this was, you know, uh, Psycho Circus just had just this awful awful collection of songs it just it sounded almost like they were sabotaging their own career or something i don't know what's going on so in contrast uh, so that's a 98 album in contrast with carnival of souls carnival of souls makes them look like geniuses and when you make a grunge album frankly you are going to look like a genius because that was cool music it was cool music with cool lyrics it, it just just wasn't silly or ridiculous any in any way. Of course, it is silly and ridiculous somewhat when these hair metal bands pull this complete about face and try to do this uh, this kind of music. But again, up for debate. I loved most of these albums. Um, not loved them. I mean, I, I liked most of these albums, or I liked when these bands uh, went in these these different directions. So there you go. That's all five of our examples of Hair Metal Goes Grunge on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. At this point, I wanted to put in a couple of honorable mentions. I couldn't remember uh, all the honorable mentions. I mean, if I went through all the hair metal bands, I'd probably find some really, really, really good examples of this. I rem- actually come to think of it off the top of my head. Uh, here in Toronto, we had two bands. Uh, one was called Sven Galley and one was called Slick Toxic. And very comically, you can see both at the same time, they both put out hair metal debuts and then they both put out super, super grungy follow-ups. And I mean, they just, it went over like a lead balloon. They went nowhere. Um, but frankly, they weren't going anywhere anyways um, because they were kind of like off to this, uh, you know, off in the frozen lands of Canada. It was a little too late for them basically already uh, in hair metal, but they also had this uh, this handicap of being Canadian and signed locally uh, Canadian, uh, even though it was major label. But yeah, so there's a great example of this. Slick Toxic and Sven Galley, hair metal debuts, grunge follow-ups. Um but yeah, so some honorable mentions that I did remember. Extreme is kind of an interesting case. Love Extreme. I think they're a super smart, cool band. Um, wasn't crazy about the debut. Loved Pornographiti. Uh, loved Three Sides to Every Stories. Is that what it's called? Yeah. And uh, and then basically they followed up with Waiting for the Punchline. So that was their kind of mid-90s nadir of heavy metal attempt at being grungy. L.A. Guns is an interesting case. I remember, I think there's an album that's kind of um, 
kind of rappy uh, in their thing. Uh, might be called American Hardcore. They went through they went through different lead singers and stuff, but they went pretty dirty with Vicious Cycle. I think it's called not Circle Cycle. Vicious Circle, maybe. Uh, anyways, love that album. I think it was a 94 album. So so they're they're trying different things. I don't believe they had anything that was particularly grungy. I have a, fa- uh, uh, a warm spot for those guys. I like their later albums when they went back to sort of um, their, their old sound. Love Phil Lewis. He's a, a, a cool guy and love Tracy Guns. Um, but yeah, so they, they did a lot of experimenting. But the other big, big one here... Um, that has to be in as an honorable mention. It could have been one of these is Motley Crue. So they did their trying harder hair metal album, which would have been Dr. Feelgood, the go to Vancouver, let's record, you know, uh, with Bruce Fairburn or whatever uh, in, in Vancouver. Uh, a lot of bands did this. This is their, their cleaning up album, but trying really hard, trying to make a good record with good songs, but it's, it's essentially a hair metal album. But then they go through the loss of this Vince Neil, and they do a self-titled in 94 called Motley Crue with John Karabi. It's a very big, thick, dirty, slowed down, pulverizing drum sound. Uh, semi-grungy album, let's call it. Um, great album. Love it. Again, here's another example where you talk to a lot of deep Motley Crue fans. They have no problem with calling that album one of their favorite albums by Motley Crue. Tommy Lee loves that album. Um, Tommy Lee is quite a quite a musicologist and a searcher for sounds. Obviously, he did a lot of stuff he got lambasted for later, uh, you know, combining rock and rap, I suppose. Um, but he, he also uh, thinks that's one of the best Motley Crue albums ever. And a lot of Motley fans do uh, agree, and I agree. I think it's a great album. Then Vince comes back. And they do Generation Swine, which also uh, is in more or less the same uh, wheelhouse as the Motley Crue self-titled. It's big and dirty and slow. It's got some grunge characteristics on it as well as, you know, the the speaking through a, a, a bullhorn kind of vocal sound. So there's some of that on there. Uh, trying to be smarter. A lot of crazy sounds. A lot of noise like that U2 Zeropa uh, type, um, you know, noisiness added to it as well. So that one's got a lot more layers than the Motley Crue album, but they're both essentially uh, hair metal goes grunge albums. These are Motley Crue goes grunge albums. One one point I wanted to make that I forgot, kind of amusing. Um, that I, a point I wanted to make about all this. Um, all of these bands. Another big grunge trope was uh, the surprise success of Alice in Chains when they did the uh, the Jar of Flies EP and the and the Sap EP. These acoustic EPs. So this this dark, moody, druggy, acoustic. Uh, music. So on, on almost all of these albums, I, I may not be right about that, but I'm pretty sure if you go to most of these records that we've talked about, you're going to find these dark uh, acoustic songs that are that are direct ripoffs of Alice in Chains in acoustic mode. Um, so yeah, you're, you're definitely getting that as well with these records. So there you go. There's our episode, Hair Metal Goes Grunge. Uh, once again, this is History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Go to our Facebook group on uh, that I've uh, set up for this called History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Um, 
I'm, I'm reactive there. We've got a nice little community. We all talk back and forth about this. Got a lot of smart guys in the group. When I ask for ideas, you know, they're batting stuff back and forth. A lot of cool musicologists. Please join us. You can go to my regular Facebook page. I'm on Twitter as well. I've got martinpopoff.com where you can uh, order up any of my uh, 80-ish, 85 books. Um, PayPal, I signed them all out of the office here. It's Christmas time. Good time to uh, to buy books for Christmas presents. Uh, that's it for now. I will see you again next time. Um, once again, Martin Popoff for History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Talk to you later. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com. Code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.